Hey, this is Tom Singer from the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. You are listening to Bob Nolly and the Labrador Leadership Podcast, which is better than a basket of puppies. Nice. Live from the RVA, this is the Labrador Leadership Podcast with Dr. Bob Nolly. The program that brings you the leadership skills that can make you the most authentic, approachable leader for the sake of your business, your team, and for you. Now, here's Bob. Hey there, folks. Welcome. How are you? It's a rainy afternoon here in the East. Well, that comes with the springtime, doesn't it? Sure. It's just you and me today. This will be kind of nice. Alex is off and away today. Not that it's nice, but, you know, it'll be just you and me chatting today. So that's all good. Hey, I've, I've got some catching up to do. I wanted to recognize folks that had given us a nice, uh, a nice rating review in iTunes. And folks, that's really, really important to us. It really is important to us. We'll get the Apple love and we'll be able to push things forward and get the word out to more people. So I recognize a lot of people that left us nice reviews. So uh, most recently, Kate, oh my gosh, Kate, I can't tell you how much your words, uh, your words mean to us here. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for your support. Uh, that's, all, that's all good stuff. Let's see who else I've missed in the past. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Saucedo, thank you very much for your kind words. That's nice. And Shailen Soprano, too. Uh, lots of folks have, uh, have said the good word to us. So thanks to those three and everyone else before that. I, I think I've got everybody. If not, get a hold of me and I'll be glad to say hey to you on the show. It's good. So we set the goal. We wanted to get 100 great ratings and reviews. We're at 54. So if you're sitting there enjoying this now, please get out there and let us know what you think. It's really important to us. Thanks a bunch. Thanks for doing that. And uh, the other thing I want you to do, every time on the show when we have uh, when we have our intro and outro there, and we'll talk about who that is one day soon. I bet you, bet you some of you all know who that is. Uh, please go to the website at labradorleadership.com and click the big orange button to join the conversation because I am getting ready to roll out a program, and if you're on board with us, then you'll get the inside track and all that the inside track implies. So I want to hear from you, and you'll have a chance to help us build something really good here. So please take advantage of that. Please take advantage of that. Uh, I want to bring a topic forward that I mentioned a couple of times. You know, we talked about very applicable stuff uh, and tactics and workplace issues. But today I want you to just settle in and at least where I am on a rainy afternoon here in the East, uh, to talk about the whole concept of servant leadership. And I'll tell you the story behind it and how it got started. And, and that's a, a pretty interesting story, but as we move forward and talk about exactly what servant leadership looks like, it may not fit your model. It may not fit who you think your leadership persona is, no matter how authentic you are and how approachable you are. But there's some great takeaways here. So 
as we uh, as we hear the story, just uh, let's just keep that in mind, one way or the other, eh? Okay. Uh, the whole concept of servant leadership came from a gentleman named Robert Greenleaf. He was an engineer at AT and T back in the day, and he had the opportunity to read a book, a very short novel by Herman Hesse called Journey to the East by Herman Hesse. And I'll, of course, link these up in the show notes, which is Labrador Leadership slash 25. And uh, for those of you that know Herman Hesse and his work, I'm sure many of you have probably read Siddhartha, which is certainly an over-the-edge piece of work. And this one is much, much smaller and much more minor, but not within the scope of leadership. Because the story of Journey to the East is about this band of of men that they each have their own goal and they've received permission from this mythical order to journey to the East. And even though it is not mapped out, you get the feeling that it's kind of like the old movie lost horizons. It's through, uh, it's through Eastern Europe and Asia looking through for the home of this mythical order. And they have someone with them do all of these folks. Uh, it's a servant. His name is Leo. Now, what does Leo do for them? Well, the short answer is everything. He does all the menial chores. He does all the heavy lifting. He does all the cooking. He does all the cleaning. He takes care of all of their personal needs. And while he's doing that, he has a, he has a great, a great spirit. He's got a song in his voice and people like being around him because being around him kind of lifts them up above where else they'd be. So the journey moves on as they move to the East. And then all of a sudden, one day they wake at dawn and Leo is gone. They don't know where he is. They don't find him. It's not like he's hurt or injured or worse. He's just gone. Well, instantly, instantly, the band falls apart. They fall into disarray. Nobody can get anything done. Their progress is minimal. And then finally, they just throw into the towel and they abandon the quest. They just couldn't get it done without Leo. So the narrator of the book who goes by the initials HH, which of course is Herman Hesse, he, uh, he starts wandering over the years after this and he runs into Leo again. And Leo agrees to take him to the order that had sponsored the journey. He's going to finally see what that original goal was. And when he gets there, he finds that Leo is the head of the order. He is the leader, the great and noble leader. He's their guiding spirit. And that's the end of the story. But when Robert Greenleaf read this, he was caught by a concept that there are two roles that often are seen as at odds with one another or at one end of the spectrum and the other. 
the leader, and the servant. And he chases down the idea about that, can this be the same person? And he wrote an essay that investigated the whole concept of servant leadership. And I'm going, I'm going to read from an intro to, uh, to the book just briefly here that summarizes exactly what a servant leader is. Who is a servant leader? Greenleaf said the servant leader is one who is a servant first. He wrote, it begins with the natural feeling that one wants to serve and to serve first. Then conscious choice brings one to aspire to lead. The difference manifests itself in the care taken by the servant, first to make sure that other people's highest priority needs are being served. The best test is, do those served grow as persons? Do they, while being served, become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, more likely themselves to become servants? So just think for a minute about that concept. Think about that concept for a minute, the servant leader. Before I ever heard of it, I, I had a concept of what leadership should be like. Very, very early in my career, you know, a, a very, a very minor part of a job where I thought to be a leader, you either have to do exactly what your team is doing, get in there and knock down the pile of work with them, and that's not really the best way. Or the other way is to give them whatever they need to get the job done. And there's a kernel of servant leadership in that. There is a, curve of, a kernel of servant leadership in that. And after Greenleaf wrote this, uh, and the Greenleaf Society is the organization that supports the promotion of uh, servant leadership, and I'll link that up to the Greenleaf Society. Uh this kind of approach of leadership has a deep history going back centuries. But during this explosion and change of leadership around the, the turn of the century, it came to the top again. Okay, there's the story of Leo. There's the story of Journey to the East. So just what does that mean? What does a servant leader look like? What's the takeaway? Well, in an early episode, we talked about how the list of traits of a leader has changed decade after decade after decade, and the top traits of leaders now don't look anything like they did back in the day, which is a phrase I'll use, so I don't say the 70s or the 50s or the 30s. But uh, the head of the Greenleaf Center for Servant Leadership for a long time, Larry Spears, came up with a list of the 10 most important characteristics. And as I run down this list, think of how many of them we've talked about already here. Think about how many of them we've already talked about and the importance that we've placed on them. For example, listening. You're going to serve people better when you make a commitment to listen intently. And we've gone into that in some detail, how to listen and how to listen differently to the boomers versus the millennials, for example. But giving people your full attention using whatever tool set is needed is that important. 
Number one, listening. Number two, empathy. No surprise there. I've placed empathy as the number one leadership trait needed today, right at the top of the list. You've got to try to put aside your viewpoint temporarily, just temporarily, and look at situations with an open mind. Number one, listening. Number two, empathy. Number three is healing. And healing in terms of uh, the emotional support for everybody on your team and your organization from a holistic perspective. Make sure that everybody has the knowledge and the resources they need. They can do their jobs effectively and you have them in the right workplace to do it. Number four, self-awareness. <laughs> I chuckle right now because we haven't talked about emotional intelligence yet, but self-awareness is a key trait. So now you see the linkage from leadership to servant leadership to emotional intelligence. Self-awareness is to be able to stand back and look at yourself and think about your own emotions and how they're going to affect others. And you become more self-aware by knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are. And you can become even stronger by asking others for feedback. That's a big one. That's right up there behind empathy. So the servant leader is one, listening. Empathy, two, three is healing. Four is self-awareness. Five is persuasion. Uh, a servant leader is going to use persuasion rather than authority, rather than using power that comes from their box on the org chart. They can build consensus among groups. That's an adult skill right there. To take a group with diverse opinions and build consensus for the sake of whatever the task is at hand. Some organizational goal or target. Number six, it's conceptualization. Conceptualization has always been one of the skills and traits associated with top-tier managers. But, you know, within the construct of servant leadership, it can mean simply dreaming great dreams. You look beyond the task list of today and the things that have to get done now. Tick, 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 tick. To get, to get a big picture. And when you could do that, well, you've just empowered yourself to make a contribution to the strategy of the organization. To be able to achieve a long-term focus and to author the right mission and vision that you need for your organization, your team to drive forward. Conceptualization. Number seven, foresight. Well, wouldn't it be great to predict the future? Well, you can, in a way, you could be more accurate in your predictions if you've learned from the past. If you've learned from the past and you know, that's, that's the core of the SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, and any other tool like that. And the more you use something like that, you'll learn to trust your intuition. 
Once you've learned how to trust your gut decisions, that can be a very powerful thing. I'll recap the list again. I will keep looping back to read them. Number eight, stewardship is taking responsibility for your team, for their actions, what they do. And trying to achieve in each of your team members a sense of accountability. Making sure they're aware of the role they play. And uh, the easiest way to do that, I uh, leading by example. People are ready to follow you. Ready to emulate you. To follow your example. Which brings us straight to number nine. When you do that, those top eight things, you have a commitment to the growth of your people. Not just organizationally, but to their personal development. And this links right into transformational leadership. Train them. Understand what their developmental needs are. Give it to them. And the point we keep talking about here is don't try to develop their weaknesses. Lead them with their strengths. Give them tasks which fall under their strengths. You're going to create frustration more often than not trying to develop weaknesses. And number 10 on Spears' list is building community. It it falls into place. If you've achieved the first nine, you've built a sense of community. We've talked about communication here with Alex several times. How do you interact with people across the company? Do you have team building events, social events? What are the norms? What do you do at the end of the day? Do you walk by people's desks or cubes or workstations and just sit in the side chair and go, how are you doing? What did you do today? What do you need? How can I help? That's the list. I'll run them down one more time. And of course, I'll put them in the notes. Listening. Empathy. Healing. Self-awareness. Persuasion. Conceptualization, foresight, stewardship, commitment to the growth of people, and number 10, building community. So when Greenleaf wrote this article and developed the concept of servant leadership, and the Greenleaf Center was rooted in and promoted this concept. You know, it, it was something new, but it wasn't new, as I mentioned, because it's rooted in all the way back to, you know, Eastern philosophy, all the way back to Lao Tzu and Max Dupree, and, and even further. I mean, that's like the fifth century. So if, it, if it's that powerful, how come it hasn't gotten any more airplay? And I think sometimes it just doesn't fit. If you go out and look for case studies or examples of where servant leadership works, it works in education. It works in healthcare. 
And it works in religious institutions. You see a lot of that. A lot of that. And it's well-grounded and excellent work. And that kind of leadership supports those, those institutions greatly. But what about mainstream industry? Their success is there too. Uh, there's a story uh, that uh, that James Hackett tells in his column for the Harvard Business School about he saw an example at Service Master at a board meeting. So put yourself in the boardroom in the in the nineties, and the CEO of Service Master spilled a cup of coffee at the meeting. Now. I don't know how you've pictured that room or pictured the CEO or what the reaction is, but I, I bet some of you picture him just raising a hand and motioning somebody over and pointing to the mess on the table and the mess dripping on the floor and asking them to clean it up. But that's not what he did. He just raised his hand asked somebody for some cleaning material, a spray or something, and a cloth. And in his suit, the CEO of Service Master got down on his hands and knees and cleaned it up himself. And he writes in this article, does James Heskett, James Heskett that, nobody seemed to notice that he did it. In a company that was steeped in servant leadership, that was the way. That was the way. So here's what I want you to do as you think about this. Is that the way you want to run your organization or your team? Maybe, maybe not. But there certainly are pieces in that list of 10 that would serve you well to see if you can get your hands around. Folks, it has been great being able to share this with you today. Enjoy the quiet moment. Thank you very much. Thanks for hanging in there with me. Alex will be back again. You've been listening to the Labrador Leadership Podcast. This is episode number 25. Folks, have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Labrador Leadership Podcast. For the sake of all the special people in your life that deserve you to be the best leader you can be. On our website at labradorleadership.com, on Facebook at Labrador Leadership, and on Twitter at Lab Leadership. Now, here's a final thought from Bob. For more about servant leadership, find the Greenleaf Center at the link to the show notes at labradorleadership.com slash 25 and consider the 10 traits of the servant leader. Is there a Leo in you? Have a great week, everybody.